0: Welcome to the 1,000 Hours Outside Podcast. My name is Ginny Yurich, and I am here with a new friend, Molly DeFrank. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Ginny. You wrote this really interesting book that I think is probably terrifying to some parents, but when you read it, it's very freeing and filled with so many great ideas. It is called Digital Detox. Digital Detox, the two-week tech reset for kids and it just came out earlier this year, right, Molly? That's right. And it came out in April. In April. So just heading into the summer. And I think that's a great time for parents to really think about screen time for their kids. You're the founder of Online Digital Detox. You help families become free from their addiction to devices. You have a degree in international relationships. I love people's stories because this is an interesting one. You worked as press aide for former California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. So and then these days, you're a mom, a foster mom with a lot of kids, and you are helping people to kind of loosen those strings from screens in the household. So what a path.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm grateful to be doing what I'm doing. I um, you know, I have six kids in the home and um, I felt stuck a couple years ago. I probably like a lot of parents um, who had kids in the 2010s, early 2010s, bought in early and often to the digital devices and um, entertainment for our kids. It seemed like a really great um, sure. solution, that electronic pacifier the digital babysitter you know mm-hmm. you need a couple minutes make a phone call you need to sit quiet at a restaurant it seemed like a great solution until it wasn't until we started to see these meltdowns after screen time or um our, our kids weren't interested in anything unless it had a screen involved and so i get these nudges over time like gosh what is the deal um why are they melting down why are their sibling fights like next level why wh- what's going on But I would kind of dismiss them because like most parents, I'm, you know, life's busy and you got to move on to the next thing. And um, and finally, one day I had just had enough. I came home from running errands and one of my kids greeted me at the door, not with hi, mommy, but with can I play on your phone? And I'm like, nah, man, that's it. That's it for me. I'm not into this anymore. So I called my husband at work. I'm like, I think we got to go cold turkey. I think we got to pull the plug. And he was all into the idea, especially because he was going into the office daily. Mm -hmm. So he's like, look, if you're in, I'm supporting you in this. You're on the front lines. I was homeschooling two of our kids at the time. Um, I had two three-year-olds. It was, you know, I was terrified. But what I found through the process was that Even though it was really scary, it was the best parenting decision we made to date. Um, The results blew us out. It just blew us away how how positive the results were. So I love sharing this. Help with other families because it's so simple.
0: Yeah. We're kind of on a similar path. We're just sharing our stories and providing a solution to many modern parenting problems that is simple but not easy. I think that you and I relate in that sort of aspect and sort of our missions and your book is real funny. So I love that part about um, you said there's so many funny things. I nearly spat out my LaCroix. I mean, when someone came to you and said, thanks for taking our screens away, you call it Screen Detox Eve. It's real funny. And then you you just mentioned it, you know, that your child greeted you as if you were an electronics vending machine. So the book is entertaining as well as informative, and I really enjoyed it. I liked what you said about how it seemed to be this great option. I think that's a whole part of the puzzle is that parents are trying to do the best they can, and this has been marketed to us, that this is the best option, that it is a necessity, and I was talking earlier this week to a woman who is president of a wooden toy company, and she said she bought the company. It's called Bella Luna Toys. They're very simple toys, and she said she bought it kind of like the timeframe that you were talking about, 2008, 2009, 2009. Somewhere around there. And she said she was scared because all of a sudden, all of the toys were like a mini play iPad for the kid and a play computer and a, all of these different, like the tech type things. And that was all the rage. And she was nervous that her company was not going to do well. But, you know, we're kind of swinging back that way. So, can we talk about the stats and the behind the scenes of technology, which I think that is just starting to come out more and more as the years go by? That it was at the beginning seemed like the great thing and then as time has gone by, more and more studies have come out. So are the stats things that you know in your mind by this point, or do you have to look back?
1: Yeah, a lot of them, you know, through researching for the book, they kind of stick in there. But Mm -hmm. to, you know, to be honest with you, when we went into this thing, I didn't know any of the researcher data. I was like, you know, my husband and I went hiking last weekend and we stayed on this big trail that was like, dirt and already made for us. But we looked off to the side and we're like, gosh, can you imagine the first person who kind of like took a machete through here and like mm. how how pokey it was? And they didn't know, but that's kind of how this feels to me. It's like, we kind of took this machete and went through it and it was scary, but on the other side. And so I love, you know, beckoning people through it, learning what we learned along the way. And and one of the things you were just talking about in terms of research that I learned while researching the book was that I had bought in, and so many parents did, we bought into the marketing. Mm -hmm. We bought into what the tech companies were selling us rather than, hey, how do these tech giants parent their own kids? And when you look a little closer, you see, whoa, Steve Jobs wouldn't let his kids near an iPad. Hey, wait a minute these tech engineers are some of the strictest parents when it comes to screen time. Why? What do they know that we don't know? And if it's mm-hmm. not good for their kids, why do we think it's good for our kids? And and, and it was interesting to learn that information. Um, what I really enjoy doing is taking the shame away from the topic. I don't think there's there needs to be any shame in this conversation for a generation of parents who took new tools and technology that was available that we hadn't tried out. We tried it out and The marketing didn't deliver on the promise rather than these, Mm. um, you know, tech geniuses that we were promised. We're getting screen zombies. Our kids are more anxious than ever. Anxiety and depression in our kids is through the roof. And this was already a problem before the pandemic. But what a lot of families have seen, especially if you have kids in public school, what a lot of families saw is, you know, this was a, a simmering issue beforehand. But then when everyone was forced online, and kids were not getting that face-to-face interaction, and scre- recreational screen use over the course of the pandemic doubled. So, twelve-year-old kids went from spending three and a half, four hours a day to almost eight hours a day wow. on a device. The effects are beginning to show. You hear from ER doctors, um, ER visits for eating disorders for our twelve to seventeen-year-old girls doubled hmm. over the course of the pandemic, wow. and so you can. And they're tracing the the cause of this. It's social media, TikTok. So you can look at any different, um, you know, these doctors, psychiatrists, I mentioned the ER doctors, eye doctors are seeing new vision problems. Occupational therapists are telling us, um, they're observing a new trend of something called virtual autism, where kids are presenting like they're autistic, but it's not actually autism. It's that the the, um, kind of that playing outside, hanging upside down on the handlebars, you know, that face-to-face interaction, there's an opportunity cost to it. They haven't been getting that. And so it's manifesting Mm -hmm. like autism. So all of these things are a problem, but parents, frankly, and your listeners probably are are great parents because they're looking Mm -hmm. for information on how to, how to even improve. And they don't even need another expert to tell them it's a problem because they know, right? (laughs) Right. but they want to know is how do we fix it. And so that's why I love sharing these tools.
0: Yeah, I love your point about there's no shame. And you have this sentence in there from Cal Newport, who wrote the book Digital Minimalism, which I have but haven't read yet. But he says, we didn't sign up for the digital lives we now lead. They were instead, to a large extent, crafted in boardrooms to serve the interests of a select group of technology investors. So just this concept that we are up against a lot.
1: Absolutely. And you know, the other thing that I believed and changed my mind on after detoxing our kids was I thought... Well, I played video games as a kid after school. You know, I would play Pac-Man or Sonic the Hedgehog or mm-hmm. whatever. And I'd watch Saturday morning cartoons. So isn't it the same thing? But it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing because when we were growing up, Saturday morning cartoons, you'd watch, you know, Little House on the Prairie and then, you know, Price is right or whatever. And then something boring would come on and you're like, well, this isn't worth it. I'm going outside. I'm going to go knock on the neighbor's door. Well, kids yeah. aren't doing that because there is no end to the digital programming. And not only that but these brilliant engineers have taken what they know about the brain and how it releases dopamine. Dopamine is that feel good neurotransmitter that is released in the human brain. When we experience anything pleasurable, they've taken what we know about that. And they have baked these dopamine release points into their games, into their apps. So our kids are getting excessive, such high amounts of dopamine released in their brains when they play these games and apps that real life can't compare. So Mm -hmm. that's why if, if you wonder why your kid complains of boredom if there's not a screen involved, if you're if you're trying to get your kid to spend time outdoors, which is probably a lot of your listeners, um, but you're you're feeling frustrated because their desire isn't there. It's not 100% their fault. There is a physiological right. change happening because with the amount of dopamine released for screens, real life is just it can't compare. So uh-huh. when you do this detox, you're actually resetting those dopamine levels, um, and this is the beautiful thing. That's where you actually have this window of time to reawaken an interest in non-digital activities. So you're kind of giving mm-hmm. them a, a blank slate.
0: Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I had read in your book that stood out to me was that the dopamine receptors are numbing out is how it was worded that they need more and more and more. It's creating addicts almost.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So now it's like the any addictive cycle where it takes more of some, it takes more dopamine now because those receptors are numbing out. It takes more in order to, um, experience the same amount of pleasure that you once experienced from less so um mm-hmm. it's just this vicious cycle for our kids yeah. and you're really giving them a gift which is why my kids think to me which yeah it it blew my mind
0: that they yeah. did but yeah, they know. And so I think this is just important to have an awareness. And I think the awareness is continuing to come as different whistleblowers and different documentaries that have come out that there are things going on behind the scenes, you say hundreds of the world's top software engineers and addiction experts. And even um, I talked to Dr. Susan, then she has a couple books and a new one coming out called Who's Raising the Kids, it comes out in September, but she talks about the marketing and sort of the consumerism. And she said, you know, they're pulling in child psychologists and they're getting the top, the top tier people to figure out You know, how can we make more money off of this next generation and how can we get their time and more of their time? So just that awareness, I think, is such a great thing that you highlighted in the book. Experts are paid to keep kids scrolling and playing. So I think we have to know that we're up against a lot as one family, as one set of parents, one single parent. We're up against the top tier. And so what's really neat is that here you have a solution that's not easy, but it's simple. So talk us through your path toward your two week, you know, you're the electronics vending machine. And then you say, we're going cold turkey. You took two weeks off.
1: Yes. Um, just to encourage parents really quick. I, you know, It's easy to feel despair when you hear the research and, um, you know, you see people in Congress, this bipartisan support to try to address this problem on a national level. And it's easy to just look at this thing going, I mean, we're up against a machine. Like, what are we going to do? But the really encouraging thing to me, and this is why this message is so hopeful, is that parents have a unique vantage point and a unique influence in the lives of their kids that nobody else has. I mean, when you're between the ages of... Four and fourteen, what some of my favorite parenting authors say. There, there is this window and they've studied parenting for a long time. And they've noticed that this decade between four and, and 14 kids still think their parents are really cool. If you think something's cool, they think it's cool. If they, if you're doing something, they want to do it too. Um, you know, I was sewing, I was stitching very poorly to be frank with you. Um, my daughter's hat that ripped last night and I like grabbed an old sewing kit out. I'm like, gosh, I don't even remember how to do this. I hope it, but it worked, but the kids, they come around and they watch and they're like, Oh, you're doing something. You're making something you're fixing. So mm-hmm anyway, the point is just, you know, how your influence as parent is enormous. Mm, And if you're willing, if you're willing to step in there and take it back Mm -hmm. from, you know, we've kind of willingly handed it over to whatever's on the other side of the screen. But if you're willing to say, yeah, I'm ready. It's very simple. Okay.
0: Okay. Wait, I just want to pop pop in because I thought that was a really cool thing. That you said that you're stitching you're doing something that is i mean it's not it's not like a video game but we have a draw there's a draw and i feel like that you know sometimes i'll be i read a lot especially to get prepared for this podcast and so i'm reading is boring but everyone comes in and everyone wants to be in that same room that you're in and they want to just be there and so i love i never really thought about that that you know screens surely have a draw but so does mom
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know what's crazy? There's This is actually a part of the detox is trying to reawaken a love of books in your kids. But there was a study I came across in writing the book that said that dads, actually the influence of dads reading for pleasure, it's enormous. Even the dad, just a dad in the home reading wow. a book. Can impact their kid like nothing else. So, so take that, you know, take confidence in that. It's a, a natural setup that we have. Um, just by living the way we we live our lives, influences our kids more than we know. So yeah. um, yeah, but it's encouraging. So that's a it's a really a message of hope. Um, so to get into the detox, basically we pulled the plug completely. I we broke the kid the news to our kids at night. We said, hey guys you know, it's not a punishment for anything, but until further notice, we're going to try this thing. We're going to take away the devices, no Netflix, no YouTube, no gaming, none of it. We love you so much. We're just going to try it. And it didn't go over very well. Ginny, I'm going to be honest with you. I love it in your book. like, there's
0: like wailing and gnashing of teeth and yeah, sure. (laughs) The screen detox Eve. I love that you called it that.
1: And frankly, it's like the, the fear of the fallout is what keep so many parents from they're like I don't want to tell my kids this. I've seen them when the screen timer dings am I just am I looking at two weeks of that and so Mm. it's that evening where it was scary and I experienced those fears of like what did I sign up for do I have to entertain my kids around the clock you know I'm picturing myself in like a top hat and like dancing around and like doing magic it's like no you know all of those fears were totally unfounded um and the good news is that by the time morning rolled around, they cried for a little bit because they're, you know, the three oldest ones, their favorite activities, their favorite hobbies were different video games, which I thought was fine because it's normal. Um, but by the time morning rolled around, they started playing with the toys on their shelves. They started playing with each other. And what I didn't appreciate was that the the impact the screen time was having was so far, was going so far beyond right when the timer dinged. It was, you know, it was impacting where when your kids hit a boredom wall, And let's say they're trying to make a craft or they're trying to build a couch for it or whatever. And they hit this friction point of like, oh, this is getting harder. I don't know how to fix this. If digital entertainment is on the table for their day, if they know I can go ask mom and maybe she'll allow me to use some screen time right now, they're not going to push through and troubleshoot. Um, But when it's off the table, they will play longer and more cooperatively. So that's one of the things we noticed immediately um, their moods were better because they weren't having those dopamine crashes. Um, mm. And it, it just, it blew us away. So, um, so I break this down. I look back after we detoxed our kids. I broke it down for parents to remember, how do you replicate this? What are the best parts of it? And you can remember it like this, these four steps essentially to a detox is undo. You're going to undo the tech trance in your kids. So the U stands for unplug cold turkey, two weeks. I know it sounds scary, but that's why I wrote the book. You can, you can do this. Any type mm-hmm. of parent can do this. If you're crafty, you can do it. If you're not crafty, I'm not crafty. If you're Pinteresty, mm-hmm. if you're organ- you don't have to be any of those things. I am not yeah. any of those things. Parents from all different walks of life can do this. Okay, so undo. Um, so the N is notice your kids like never before. You're gonna observe your kids. They're all wired a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which kids, if you invite them into the kitchen while you're cooking, which kids wanna help? which kids, you know, go off and start reading, which kids go off and play outside. Um, Notice those things and then feed them. If you've got a kid who's kind of into art, get some books from the library about art and see what sticks. Um, So you're kind of just being the wind in their sails, helping them kind of get to know the way they're wired. Okay. And then the D stands for develop a list of screen-free fun ideas. You're going to sit down with your kids. I've got some free templates for this on my website if you want to print them out. And you're going to brainstorm, okay, what are we going to do if you get bored during this time period? Mm-hmm. Um, let's think. And and it's okay if they're not super thrilled about this. You're the, you're going to bring the good attitude. You're going to show them, look, um, we can do this. And the the purpose of making the list is twofold. Number one, when you're in the throes of parenting and in the trenches and it gets hard, and let's be real, the days can get difficult. And especially if you've been relying on digital entertainment to keep your kids occupied while you work. Um you know, you, when your kid asks you, can I use screen time in the middle of your detox and things are hard, you're going to be tempted to give in. But when you make this list and you stick it on the fridge, you can say, look, we, we got in front of this thing. You can pick something from the list. You can think of something on your own, or if you're still bored, I've got two baskets of laundry that need folding. You're welcome to, and they will find something to do. I promise Mm -hmm. you. Um, so the other purpose of developing that list is you're showing your kids, they have what they need in their mind, in their imagination to, to dream and troubleshoot and think of something fun to do. And it doesn't even need to be very complicated. Um, and then O for undo, the last one is open the books. You can create a bookworm out of any child and i believe that now after having done it with a lot of kids so i didn't you know i don't just have like one or two bookwormy kids i have six and we've had several teenagers in and out of our home through foster care and what we've found is that reading the, the benefits of reading for pleasure you You can't even overstate them. Um, Mm -hmm. It increases empathy. It helps them learn delayed gratification. Um, Reading aloud helps your kids bond as a family. It's just, it's so beneficial and you can do it. It might require a little more work for some kids, just finding the right genre, um, but I help you with that in the book. So that's the detox. I break it down in, in detail for you and very practically in the book.
0: When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my Vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessies Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, Transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at slash outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V E S S I dot slash outside for 15% off your first order. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready to eat meals, every fresh Never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over thirty five different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. factor meals.com slash outside 50 to get 50% off. Yeah, it's it's very enticing. That's for sure. And I like what you talk about that the I kind of feel the same way, like I say, our paths are somewhat similar, though, they're different topics. But you know, I felt that fear of going outside for a long period of time, because I thought it was going to be like these shorter programs that we had done that were awful to a degree, just way longer. And so like you're saying, people are afraid, is this going to be like, when I say it's time to turn it off? but for two weeks um, straight. And then, you know, you try this thing that seems like it's too simple to work, but then the benefits and they just keep rolling in. Want to get your kids excited to spend more time outdoors? Try WAMMO, a monthly outdoor adventure box for kids that blends games, crafts, and activities into educational fun. Each month focuses on a different theme like hiking and bird watching, navigation, animals, plants, astronomy, and more, all designed to get your kids engaged with playing outdoors and learning about nature. For the first delivery, everyone receives the Welcome Box, which includes the 1,000 Hours Outside Year Long Companion Journal, a colorful lounge hammock, and Everything else they'll need to kick off their outdoor fun of learning and discovery. Use code 1000hours1000hours to save 25% off your first box at wanlow.com. That's W A N L O W.com. One of the things that you had talked about was this concept of being indistractable. And it came from a Stanford um, psychology expert where he said, Becoming indistractable is the most important skill for the 21st century. And it's one that many parents fail to teach their kids. So, like you said, when they're playing with their couch for it and when they're reading these books, this is where they learn to forego distractions. And I liked what you said about in the book. And you said it more than once that a hundred percent of families, there's not one family that came back and said, ah, you know, I wish we wouldn't yep. have done it.
1: Yep, that's absolutely true. And it's it's so encouraging because I will get um I will get messages from families all the time, pictures of their kids playing outside like, Oh my gosh, my kids just made an obstacle course. I can't even believe it. Oh my gosh, my kids are one of one family sent me a picture and they're like, look, my kids are playing survivor outside and they're trying to see how long they can last through the day. And they packed like lunches and they picked one item and it's like adorable. But these parents, they're Mm. surprised because here's the thing. We think sometimes that the issue is just finding the right ideas, the right activity ideas the right play. Um, you know, or the right board game to capture our kids' attention. But that's not it. Because our kids, there's probably been no period in time where um, we've had as many choices for our kids to do that are screen-free activities. We have more than we've ever had before. The issue is not that. It is the lack of interest from our kids. So parents Mm. feel like they're dragging their kids along, like, please get interested in one of these things. So the reason the detox works is because you're resetting those dopamine levels, when when we look at our kids and they're they're staring at their devices we are thinking at least i did oh look they're so focused they can only focus on a screen um i guess we have to present you know education to them in that format but no that's that's not what's happening they're just mm-hmm. that's chronic overstimulation and it's actually practicing that is actually eroding their ability to concentrate to hone those skills and those interests that will benefit them for the rest of their lives. So yeah. when you take a break, you're giving your kids this opportunity to flex these muscles to create these um new uh pathways in their brain. And it's really encouraging what what we can do for our kids and with our kids.
0: Mm. What I think was interesting um that you brought up is that people are sending you photos of the things that they're doing. And I think, and the same happens for me. I mean I get so many photos, people tag, but then they also just privately send photos. This is what we're doing. This is what we did today. And it makes me think there's no one to cheer them on. We're in this society that really is celebrating busy and who is celebrating slow. And so I have noticed it's a need. And I think in movements such as this, you know, the screen detox and and taking this two weeks off, you know, we're also building this community that's celebrating families that have made that choice and And I love that people send you the pictures because they're excited about it and they're proud of it and they should be. I think that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: The obstacle course sounds fantastic and all these different things. So uh, another one of the benefits you talk about is relationship. And you had this quote. Oh, there's so many good things in there, Molly. You had this quote that said, we are forever elsewhere.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's Sherry Turkle. She's incredible. She This is an MIT professor who's been studying technology and society for decades. And she's done a lot of really incredible work um, in this area. And, and it really goes back to, you know, so the last chapter in the book is about tech for mom and dad. Um, because, you know, it's it's one thing to kind of implement this detox for our kids, but we, we really kind of want to look at our own technology use. And you know to be clear the goal of the detox the goal of the book here isn't to eliminate all technology forever technology can be an incredible tool to us um th- the goal here though is to just put it in the right place because mm-hmm. for so many of us we've seen over time over the last you know 10 or 15 years it's just filled in every gap um, you know, it's filled in those in between moments that that made our lives kind of nice and slow together. That created those spaces for kids and parents to interact and to ponder. You know, what the shapes of the clouds are, or to, you know, for your kids to ask those kind of deep questions about the meaning of life, and um, you know, to to kind of grapple with who am I in this world? What's my place in this world? And and what is right and wrong? And just kind of that worldview stuff. Those those in between moments, um, moments of quiet, sitting on the couch. That that's kind of where we used to have those conversations when mom's cooking dinner, and all of those moments have been kind of given away mm. um, to somewhere else. You know, if it's not a kid staring at a device, it's a parent. So so I really encourage parents, not because all technology is evil. It's not. It's just that we have so much of it. Um, it's just this is an opportunity to kind of take a break put it aside, observe your kids and clarify What role do we want tech to play in our lives? And, and, and really, I mean, the whole purpose of that is, and I get into this in the, in the very beginning is just, what are we doing as parents here? <laughs> you like, what do we want to accomplish when our kids are 18? We want to look back and say, these are the, these are the guiding principles of our home that we want to, these are the things we want to instill in our kids. And, And, you know, time goes fast. Um, I didn't believe people when they said that for a long time, because I had my kids really close together. But it does, you know, I have my daughter's gonna be my oldest is gonna be 13 this year. And it's like, wait, we have five years left with this incredible Mm. kid, like five
0: summers. And so yeah, I bel I believed it. I believed it only because everyone said it. Um, yeah. So I just knew, well, this must be true. But you can't really imagine how it will be true. But it yeah. is true. Everyone says that we're in the same our Well, this is 14. So you're counting down. So we are forever elsewhere. That's a really powerful statement. And, and then you talk about how you know, well, what builds relationships? It's you say thousands of micro interactions. And so when you say that technology is filling all these gaps of time that we're missing these micro interactions. And so what are people saying, you know, when they do this digital de- detox and really take a look to at the parent and how much they're using um, the technology, you know, what's happening to all their relationships?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's one of those things where, Kids, it's hard to put your finger on it. So we we see the data. We see anxiety is through the roof, depression is through the roof for our kids. I mean, adults too. But you you look back and you're scratching your head, like, why? What is going on? At the same time, we you know in the Western world we have such um, wealth, we have such um, you know so many things to be grateful for, and yet mental health is in huge decline. And, you know, the thing that has changed most is that lack of person-to-person connection. And we need that. We need eye Mm -hmm. contact. We need back and forth conversation. Um, There was one other study that I came across, or um, I think it was Sherry Turkle who mentioned that even the presence of a phone on a table, it diminishes the quality of the conversation because people kind of don't get into that next deeper level if they think that, hey, they might wow. be kind of distracted. They're not all in on this conversation. Um, another thing that she shared was that it takes it takes something like seven minutes for a conversation. I have seven or 10, I can't remember. It's 10,
0: I wrote that one. It's seven, I wrote that one down. So that okay. was so interesting. So, right, yeah, seven minutes for a conversation
1: to get from like superficial to deep to talk about the real stuff. And so you got to push through those, um, those pockets of, kind of awkwardness or a little bit of silence, those lulls in conversation, shooting the breeze you know, about the weather. And, and the, the problem now is that we, we feel like we don't have to, because when we hit those lulls, we just pick up our device and scroll. And so just thinking of the opportunity cost, um, I think back of my own childhood, I had an incredible relationship with my dad and, and I just wanted to be with him. Even if he was going somewhere like kind of boring, I, I wanted to be with him because I knew that the pockets of time we would get to have conversations about anything and everything and nothing. And looking back, it's like he showed me what a good father is. He showed me, um, you know, it, but through modeling it, through care, yeah. through genuine. And so because of that relationship, I cared about what he thought about me and I cared about I wanted him to to. um you know, to approve of the way I was living my life. And so that relationship we have with our kids, it when we can make that the bedrock of everything, especially going into the teen years, if we've got that that um, that strong foundation with our kids, you know that's we're really setting them and us mm-hmm. up for success there.
0: Yeah, and what we're looking for are these micro interactions, thousands of them. And uh, you had you had written in your book that we do have a diminished incentive for interacting because we're risking we're risking rejection, we're risking those conversational lulls that can be awkward. I love that seven minute piece. I'm like, how many of us have seven minutes anymore to get into a deep conversation? And it reminded me of Angela Hanscom. She has this book, Balanced and Barefoot, um, about outdoor play, and she says it can take up to forty five minutes for kids to develop a play scheme. So what you're saying is we have to have these gaps in order to get to the good stuff. And so I love that promise of relationship that's at the end of being more intentional about our screen time. You said today's parents are giving kids a fraction of the attention that they were given. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. One of the studies I read talked about the difference in eye contact that that um, people used to get from each other, that eye contact. And now it's, it's just like astronomically lower and, Mm -hmm. and people need that. Like we need to feel known and loved by the people around us, especially our parents. And so, um, what families are finding and the same parents who send me DMS, it's that you're giving your kids back so much more than what you're taking away. When you detox them, you're giving them, You're giving them more eye contact. You're giving them more conversation. You're even getting to see, you know, I don't, I'm going to be completely honest with you that you're even going to probably get more opportunities for some friction (laughs) with your kids, with each other and with them. And, but you know what, that's good because you're removing that, that filter. And now you can actually see a little more clearly.
0: And that's how they learn. That's how they learn to get along in the world. You know, is that those siblings are those first relationships and the neighborhood kids and that type of thing. So it is a gift. And you say boredom is a gift. Uh, Removing the crutch of passive entertainment, you give them the opportunity to be alone with their creativity. So one of the things I thought was really interesting in the book about boredom is you said it's a new concept.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I read that also in my research too, that the, the word bored or boredom didn't even pop up in writing until like a couple, like maybe 200 years ago or 300 years ago, once we have, you know, we've advanced so far that we don't, our kids don't have to go in and, and work outside, you know? And so now we are, our, our parenting lens is like, oh, we need to keep our kids entertained. We need to, how are we going to entertain the kids? You know, those are kind of the questions we have, but, but, you know, they're wired to create they're wired to, but how? Like, And when you get to watch your kids in those in-between moments, when they don't get to numb out, they don't get to be overstimulated, where do they go? You know, one of my kids I noticed, he will build with anything, any sort of tools he finds, even like, you know, recy- things in the recycling bin or Legos or whatever it is he'll build. And he also, like, he'll build a huge tower and it'll fall apart and he'll just start over. And he has such a high frustration tolerance that I – you know, I, I'm thinking, gosh, what can he, this could be, is it engineering? Like, is he going to be art? Like, what is it? It's so cool to see glimpses of the way he's wired and gifted. And, and that's the thing that parents start to notice when you take that away, as you see, mm-hmm. where do my kids go? How are they wired? You know, and even going back to play, which is such a huge component of how they learn. And I love the, everything, your expertise in how, um, how play informs and, and shapes our kids minds and hearts. Uh, But, you know, just watching my own kids after we detox them, they went outside, they would create you. um, We love the book rocks a box. And it's a picture book. It's so cute. Um, But it's about these kids in a neighborhood who create their own little village. And my kids, we read the book aloud and they went out and they created their own little village outside and they got pebbles and they categorized them and they made it into a currency. And it was like, This took occupied up their time for so long. And, Mm -hmm. and this is where parents, I think before they going into the detox, they're afraid. They think I'm going to have to entertain them the whole time. But what actually happens is you're unleashing their creativity. Um, You're giving them this gift of troubleshooting their boredom of, um, you know, how do they want to create? What do they want to make? You know, the world is their oyster. So
2: Mm -hmm. um, it's
0: really a gift that you're giving your kids. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy, is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit betterhelp.com 1000hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. Help.com/slash/one-thousand-hours. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot, and for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last minute get together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com slash outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash outside120, code outside120. And to yourself, you said um, you had quoted from Andy Crouch and he's got the TechWise family that- The more you entertain the more bored they will get which is a big statement i liked how you said you know we can't you know when the kids are younger like we can't afford five nannies you know so you know the screen almost feels like a babysitter but kim john payne says the best babysitter is their own imagination and i know the problem the hard thing is that when they're little it can take a while to get there i mean we had friends whose kids played really well alone creatively when they were real young and ours didn't, you know, it took them a couple years before they were actually doing those things. But for the long term, I like what you're saying. It's like that creativity. It's going to help them. It's a gift for them, but it's also a gift for you as a parent because, and they can manage their time.
1: Absolutely. And you know what, that reminded me too. Um, another piece of research I came across is that the brain does these, um, like a pruning in, um, early childhood, like I think it was four or five. And then again, in the early teen years and what connections are being used are strengthened and the connections that are not being used, those skills, they will get pruned. So, you know, if, if you've got kids that are practicing passive consumption of digital entertainment, that that's, what's going to Get stronger. But on the other hand, if you've got kids who are practicing reading or playing outside or um, using those imaginations, then that is going to get stronger. And mm-hmm. so there are opportunity costs and the stakes are are pretty high for us. And the temptation is higher than ever to kind of hand over that. Yeah. Um those opportunities but but you don't have to and that's mm-hmm. what i love encouraging parents with is i actually i think the biggest concern is that parents think they're going to lose all their breaks that they're going to have to sit there and entertain their kids like we talked about but i experience more pockets of um of me time or spaces to complete the things that i need to do on my own I get more of that now than I did when we allowed one or two hours a day of passive digital entertainment. So just to encourage you, if you're listening, thinking, I don't know how I'm going to fit this into my real life. You can, you can absolutely do it and you'll be surprised.
0: Yeah. You have this really big statement in the book, regret can't undo the damage. And, you know, I mean, it's such this fine line that we walk, right? Of, you know, not wanting to feel guilty of recognizing that we are up against a lot and it's not always our fault and we're being marketed to and our kids are being marketed to. So, you know, there's this whole system in place, but also there can be damage. And whether that's the opportunity cost type thing or whether that is viewing pornography or or viewing things that cyberbullying, there's things out there that can be damaging. And so I thought that was such a good reminder that we're doesn't undo the consequences. And so there's this concept of, of how we've changed as a society. And you mentioned it in the book about how, when we were kids, we go to the mall and actually my parents, my parents tailed behind, <laughs> but other parents didn't. Uh, uh, so, you know, there's different, there's different levels there, but, but we're so concerned about their physical safety. Yeah. We're handing them a phone. And so um, yeah. there's a big change that's taken place in society physical safety i think versus emotional safety
1: oh yeah 100 percent. and you know parents think well maybe when we were kids um it it might have been true that a kid quiet alone in their room that was a safe place for them or that was an okay place for them but if your kid is quiet alone in their room today and they have access to any device with wi-fi that is not a safe place um Mm -hmm. They're probably not looking at things that are are helpful to them, and we've seen that up close. We have had, as I mentioned, teens in our home through foster care, and we've seen up close how um, social media can impact these kids' mental health. I mean, it can. Whereas it used to be when I was a kid, you'd go home from junior high or high school, and finally you can exhale and you're away from the drama of school. And you're just in a place where you can put on your sweatpants or your, you know, comfy clothes and you're fully known and fully loved by your parents. You're not putting on any sort of projection of who you are. And now kids don't have that space anymore. They don't have that space to um, to just unwind. And they're constantly in a state of projecting who they are when it comes to social media. Um, and if you think about it, it's like we've taken these kids in their most vulnerable years of trying to figure out, like, who am I? And I need social approval. And we've put them in this place where it's impossible to find it, um, you know, comparison. And and it's this, you know, um, just cutthroat world of projecting self without true connection, um, without true, truly being known for who you are. So, um, yeah, it's huge. It's it's, a ir- huge it's
0: ironic. Thing. I think it's ironic because yeah. we give the phones so that they feel included. There's that peer pressure. And then by giving them the phones, they end up feeling excluded and in all sorts of ways, whether it's just by seeing what they weren't invited to, seeing what somebody else is doing, what somebody else has, these other experiences, or whether it's actual cyberbullying in that uh, context that it just it backfires. And so, you know, you have such interesting information about using technology as a tool. And I think that comes out of the detox. So on the other end of it, you have this two weeks, it helps you reset. It's amazing that it can happen so fast, that a turnaround can happen that quickly. And you have this two weeks, and it gives you time to reset and think about what you're looking for. So when you talk about technology as a tool, what are you recommending for parents and for families?
1: Yeah, I recommend that, especially with young kids, I recommend that you start later, you know, hold off. We actually, after our detox and through our observations and what I learned, we took iPads and tablets off the table entirely. Um, we are our three oldest kids. Uh, I guess I'm just giving you an example of what we do in our home. It's going to look different for every family. And I think that's beautiful because no one knows your kids like you know your kids. Mm-hmm. No one has observed your kids like you have through your detox. Um, but in our house, you know, our three oldest kids, they get an hour a week of interactive digital entertainment. They get to do that in a, in a common area of an approved game. Um, and, and we kind of created this posture for our family where we use technology to create Um, If my kids want to look up a recipe or even, you know, make paper airplanes, they can watch a how-to video. Um, We use it to connect with each other. My kids love the Dodgers. So if they want to watch a Dodger game together, great, go for it. Um, We enjoy watching age-appropriate, family-friendly TV shows and movies together. I don't even stress about that. That's not even something that I tally. So we use it to connect with each other. We use it to create. But when it comes to isolating and consuming, we kind of got rid of that. Mm-hmm. So we don't, our, our, kids aren't really going away, consuming digital entertainment. My younger kids, I have three younger kids. We don't do, we don't let them do any gaming. Um, we've seen the effects of it, especially if, if any of your listeners have kids with trauma backgrounds or kids with ADHD, um, the studies show, and you've probably seen it firsthand that the interactive screen time, it impacts them differently. It impacts their brain. They have a lower tolerance a lot of times for this because, um, you know, they struggle with delaying gratification. They need more practice um, with directed attention and this, those kinds of activities erode that. So, Take it kid by kid and, you know, don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty using different rules for different kids. I recommend that too. Um, but yeah, we, my, my oldest has a, a gab phone, which we find to be very, it's essentially just a phone. <laughs> so calls and texts and it, it's great when she has practice and we can coordinate rides or find her after youth group. Um, th- that's a really great way we've used technology as a tool. Um, we it's are like not just gab- a
0: phone. You know, that's what it is. (laughs) Mind-blowing. It's fantastic. (laughs) There's no addictive component to that at all. It's so interesting, Molly. I just had a conversation with, I think these technologies are starting to pop up in small spaces. So Gab is one. And then, you know, there's a few of them. There's, so I talked to the CEO of a company. It's called Cosmo Technologies and, and they're in the process of coming out with, um, a start phone. They call it a dumb phone, basically, but they call it a start phone, but they have a watch right now, a, a watch for kids. And he said, he said to me, and I never thought about this. He said, why doesn't Apple have a dumb phone? Why doesn't, Google have that? Why don't they just have, here's your kid's phone? He said, it's because they can't monetize it. They're not going to collect data from it and they can't use it to buy other things. And so it's a completely different gab in this Cosmo and there's a company called Techless and I'm sure that there's others. It it has to be these small companies that are popping up that are saying, we're going to be a technology tool company and that's all we're going to be. We're going to allow you to communicate. We're going to allow you to get, you know, to say practice is over and I need a ride now. They're going to allow you to make plans with your friends and enhance your life. And that's it and not take your time. And that's what I love about the Gap phone and, and these other smartwatches is that you use them for what you want to use them for. And then that's it.
2: Yes,
1: absolutely. You're taking the sticky out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the thing is we're, we're handing these technologies over to our kids so often. Um, the the iPads, the even laptops, the Um, iPhones or smartphones. And they're so sticky in terms of our attention. And our kids do not have a fully developed prefrontal cortex. They don't have the functioning that's developed to to say like, we need to delay gratification. It's time to put this down. So they need their parents. They need us to create friction points for them. And the hope would be that, you know, we're not being We're not monitoring this forever. You know, my my goal and my hope is that by the time my kids are 17, 18, they have most of the freedom that they're going to have under our roof. They can kind of make the mistakes they're going to make and we get to walk them through that. And then by the time they move out, they can they've developed that sense of wisdom and discernment and digital wisdom that, that it can apply to the online world that they've flexed those muscles, you know, rather than just been drowning in. In the digital world and I think a lot of times parents will say well you know it's a digital world so we got to get them going we got to get them ready so let them have all of it well that's like saying I want my kid to be an Olympic swimmer so I'm going to toss my infant into the ocean and it's like Mm -hmm. that's doesn't that's not how you develop muscle or it's a long runway you know we got to yeah teach them a lot of things along the way.
0: Yeah. And when you talk about young kids, you had this, I had written this down. I thought it was very interesting. You said at Google and all these places, we make technology as brain dead, easy to use as possible, which is so true. It is. Everything is intuitive. That's what they're doing. That's what they're spending all this money to do is to make it intuitive and easy. And this Google executive had said, there's no reason why kids can't figure it out when they're older. So I think that's a misnomer that we're starting to grapple with, which is for a long time, it was "Well, your child is in the tech, you know, technological age. And so they're going to you have to prepare them. But these these executives and these experts are saying, no, they have to master their fundamental skills first and then the technology can come later. And so that's such an important reminder. You had a list of helpful technology in the back of the book and also some really cool things in the appendix, tips for getting a skeptical spouse on board, a daily plan, a worksheet for tweens and teens and some FAQ. So you just did such a fabulous job with the book, Molly, of, of covering all the bases and and giving people hope and something ex- exciting to look forward to and and holding their hand while they try it and giving an idea of, of what might come. So, Molly, if people are interested in buying this book, I'm imagining they can kind of get it anywhere.
1: Yes, it's available basically wherever books are sold. Um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, ChristianBook.com. Um, you can find it on my website. Also, there's some, um, some freebies for you when you order the book. If you go to my website, MollyDeFrank.com slash detox, or you can just go to the homepage and find it there. But I've got lots of free things um, for you, including family dinner table topics, which are kind of fun. I oh,
0: tried those, those are with my kids really fun. Those <laughs> are really fun. And your website is so cool. We were talking about it's just uh, it's just designed really well. It's, it's one of the neatest websites I've seen. And you've got great things on there, articles and mom hacks. So MollyDeFrank.com. And let's end with this. We always end with a favorite hands on screen free outdoor childhood memory of yours.
1: Ooh, man. The first one that came to mind, this might sound super weird, but I used to love catching lizards with the blue belly under Southern California girl. They're all oh. over the place.
0: <laughs> wow. That is so cool. You know, that's not in Michigan where we're at. And so we have family that lives in Florida and we would go down and visit when we were kids. And that was one of our favorite parts to And it's neat. There's certain animals and insects and certain things that you can catch and certain things that you can't. And And so the fireflies and I think, but they're fat, you know, it's fast enough to be a challenge, but not so fast that the kids can't engage. So what a cool, that's really a cool memory. I love that. Do your kids, do your kids do it?
1: lizards freak me out now for some reason i don't know why but my my six-year-old daughter loves catching them there she has not met a bug or a lizard that she doesn't love so Mm -hmm. she is our if a lizard gets in the house which has happened here um we live kind of out in the sierra of town and so she will she'll be our resident lizard catcher so I (laughs) i guess it's genetic
0: I love that. Well, Molly, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for such an amazing book and amazing concept. And I know it's changing so many families' lives and people are going to be really excited to hear about it.
1: Thanks, Jenny. No
2: one told us the truth about parenthood.